Well, I'm so excited to be with you this morning as we, to, as we continue to dive into the book of Genesis today. And uh, we will begin in chapter 4 um, and, and actually going through the beginning of chapter 6. And to be honest with you, though, most of my teaching this morning will be in chapter 4. So uh, I'm sure I've shared this story with some of you before. Um, so if you've heard me tell it, please, please just bear with me. But uh, I remember when I was 15 years old, and one of my favorite stores to frequent in those days was in North Grand Mall in Ames. And it was called Lemstone Books. It was a Christian bookstore, and it sold everything from books to decorations and, and music. And I remember one day, as I walked by the front of the store, I noticed a poster um, that was new in their window. And the poster said, do you like stories of good versus evil, of kings and queens, of miracles and wonders? And, and I remember thinking in my head, well, yeah, I do. But, but something, you know, I was thinking something along the lines of like a Hobbit series movie or something like that. But I found myself eager to see what it was talking about, to understand more about what the poster was saying. So I followed down to the bottom of the poster and it said, read the Bible. I was, I was dumbfounded. I realized at that moment that, that the Bible, this book that I have had all my life was not a book of rules that I must follow if I call myself a Christian. Um, this book wasn't a legalistic list of of do's and don'ts of life, this, this book was a storybook. A true storybook that has been passed down for generations upon generations, and it came to me. And so I would read this and, and, and see the lives of the characters that once lived long ago, and I would learn through their stories of how I should live my life and, and how I should look at the world and how I could understand more intimately the story of a God that loves me, who he is to me and how I should respond to him. And it changed my life forever. And I've always eagerly read these pages with a different point of view. And, and this morning, I want you to read these stories in a new way. I want you to see them in your mind as, as we read through this. I, I want you to treasure them as you should. And I hope that it changes your life and changes the way you look at our scriptures. Today, we, we continue with a story. And it's a valuable one. It's a story that, that's probably been told in many Sunday school classes as we grew up. But I assure you today, you might notice details that you've never recognized before. You see, I want you to read this with open hearts and open minds, and I want you to ask God to use the details of the story to challenge you in your life. I want you to, to be there and to see it happening. I want it to challenge your everyday choices that you make. You know, it's all exciting, but it's also scary at the same time. And, and brothers and sisters, that's, that's the Bible for you. So please, if you would, read along with me, starting in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. We'll start right there. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she con conceived and bore Cain saying, I have gotten man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother 
Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering, the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, well, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, and you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, you shall no longer yield. It shall no longer yield to your strength. And you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and, your face and, uh, and from your face I shall be hidden." I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, East of Eden. Wow. I think we can realistically say, what a screw-up. Cain, though born to parents who were already sinful and made, made a sinful choice that forever altered the direction of mankind's relationship with God, he had an opportunity to do what was right to choose a path that would give him a healthy relationship with God and set him on a healthy course of life. But, as the story, story tells us, as this Sunday school story reveals to us, sin showed its ugly face again. And mankind pushes further away from God. Read with me again, starting in verse 1. It says this, now, now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Verse 2, again she bore a brother, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. You see, please notice right away, Cain is the, the oldest brother. And as far as we know, these brothers had a good relationship. What I mean to point out is that, that at this point in Scripture, 
there was no jealousy or discontentment between Cain and his brother Abel, as far as we can read. And again, right away that we see uh, uh, that Cain is the oldest son. And by tradition, he would naturally receive the birthright blessing from his parents. And he would, as the eldest, have rights to everything. There was no talk of jealousy or anger or bitterness between he and his brother. It would be right to guess that at this point in their lives, there was harmony and a happy relationship. We even see that God had given each of the boys a calling. Cain was to be a worker of the ground. And Abel was to be a caretaker of livestock. You see, God had given them an understanding in those jobs and what they were doing. And you could even see a plan that might trickle down to the needs of the generations to come. The ability to use God's creation to sustain Even when the sin of their parents did make things harder for humankind, God was still showing mercy here, still allowing them a life and a way to live. But things take a drastic turn. And in the next few verses, we see where the lesson today lies. Please read with me in verses 3 through 5. It says, In the course of time... Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And Scripture says the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. How we respond to sin will determine the course of our lives. Let me say that again. How we, how you and I respond to sin will determine the course of our life. You see, Cain is given an equal opportunity to please God. He and Abel both knew to bring the best of what they had to God. One was a farmer of the ground. One was a farmer of livestock. However, God was looking deeper than what was on the surface. He was looking at the heart of the offering, examining each man deeply and knowing who was sincere in giving and who was not. It's something that Cain or Abel could never hide from God. Though we see, Cain thought he could. Cain's reaction here dictates the rest of his existence, the rest of his life. His choice has an overwhelming effect on what's to come. Sin has a consequence. And repeated sins will lead to deeper chaos. Please read with me verses 6 through 8. It said, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. 
but you must rule over it. You see, God is issuing a warning to Cain. He knows what's stirring in his heart, and he is advising him to do what's right. But again, God will not make man do what's right. We have a choice. And in verse 8, we see what Cain chose. Verse 8 says, Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. You could argue that that the sin happened inside Cain long before the murder actually happened. But nonetheless, this act is where sin alters Cain's life. It has an impact that will bear on him for the rest of his existence, as well as the generations that actually come from him. Abel is dead. Cain is alive. And God, although He knows exactly what happened, investigates. Read with me again verses 9 through 16. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying from me to the ground to me from the ground and when and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood when you work the ground it shall no longer yield to you its strength you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth and Cain said to the Lord my punishment is greater than I can bear Behold, you've driven me away from the ground, and now from your face I shall be hidden, and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Even in Cain's uncalled for response to God, God still chooses to have some level of mercy. Did you, did you see, did you hear how Cain begins to make excuses for his sin? Am I my brother's keeper? Can you believe he says that? I tell you what, in the Graydon household, that remark would get a little reaction from mom and dad. And then Cain has the guts to complain to God about his punishment. It's greater than I can bear. (laughs) He just took the life of his brother God could have struck him dead, and and frankly, I think he probably should. 
But yet, even in God's wrath, he shows mercy to a sinner. There's still a penalty to pay for sins, but God still has some level of love and compassion for this man, and it's, and it's hard to understand, but, but it's here. Even though we are sinners, even though we think we can hide it, even though we have the guts to complain about the results of our sin, God's still merciful. His desire, always, to see us turn from our, our sin, repent, and follow Him. However, Cain did not reach that here. He still desired, desired to follow the desires of his flesh, and he turns away from God. Hope for mankind seems lost at this point, but, but still through all this, God has a plan. He knew what was to come and, and how he would need to redeem his people. I'm not sure if you've ever watched the movie or, or read the book, A Case for Christ, by Lee Strobel. But if you haven't, I would highly suggest that you choose some of uh, your, your COVID-19 time to watch the movie or read the book. The Graydon family, we watched the movie just last week and it was amazing. It's a true story of a man whose, whose life was radically changed by God. You see, Lee's wife came to know Christ and her life was changed from the inside out. But, but Lee denied that, that there was even a God that existed. He wasn't happy that his wife had changed and that their relationship was different. Lee was a reporter for a newspaper and and he, at this point, set out to disprove the reality of Christianity and the existence of Christ. He thought if he could just prove that the resurrection was false, then what would his wife or Christians have left to believe in? He worked tirelessly at the effort. He read books and reports and articles and journals. He visited with theologians and professors and church leaders and, and medical doctors. And the more, uh, only to end up with more evidence for Christ and very little against him. Lee's life was a sinful mess too. Anger towards his wife drunkenness, rage, it led to a hardened relationship with his spouse and his daughter. I heard in a, 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 a talk of Lee's, he said, I used to come home at that point in my life and my daughter would gather up her toys and go in her room. She was afraid of her own father. You see, Lee's choice of sin upon sin was having an effect on his life in many ways. But God is much bigger than that. Lee came to a point in his life where, 
where the facts showed that he could no longer deny the existence of Christ. They outweighed things. And as a reporter that looked for facts in his writing, Lee finally came to a point in his life where he could not deny the existence of Christ and he gave his life to Christ. He knew that God was bigger than anything. And Lee's knowledge of that demanded that he change his thinking. What I appreciate most of this story from beginning to end is the sincerity of Lee's heart. Even though he sinned and he made poor choices, he spoke exactly what he thought and believed. He didn't go along with things or or sugarcoat them in any way. God could see his heart. And the fact that he didn't believe in God was true. He could see that. But by the time Lee came to Christ, God also knew the sincerity of his decision and showed him mercy. And Lee changed the course of his life in an active response to his sin. How we respond to sin will determine the course of our life. Lee responded to the evidence that he had amassed. He responded to the sin that he had discovered in his life and he was forgiven. And in fact, God has continued to use Lee in amazing ways even to this day, writing more books, speaking, and traveling the world, telling people his story and about the relationship he has with Jesus Christ. His response to sin determined the course of his life. And the next generation of Lee's family is now doing the same thing. In Genesis 4, we saw Cain's response to his sin. He did, he, excuse me, he hid what he did to his brother. Or so he thought he did. He was rude to his answers to God. And when God delivered punishment for what Cain, Cain did, he complained. As if he had a say in what was too harsh. Ultimately, Cain chose to leave the presence of the Lord and settle in a land east of Eden. And if you read the rest of chapter 4, you will see that sin continues in Cain's lineage. Generations down, we see that Cain's great-great-great-grandson, Lamech, begins a new sin practice, that of taking two wives. He also continued the sin issues with Murder. In fact, Lamech brags about killing a young man in a fight for striking him. Sin had perpetuated through generation upon generation of mankind, and the heart of mankind was corrupt. How we respond to sin will determine the course of our lives. As chapter 4 continues, we see God's plan fold a little more. And we know through Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. We know that they were punished, but also shown mercy. We saw that the next generation of mankind continued to struggle with sin and chose to walk away from God. But even after all of that, God wasn't done. He had a plan. 
He had a plan for a Savior and a time that would eventually lead to that. And in time, it would eventually lead to that. The rescue plan began from the lineage of Seth. Another son born to Adam and Eve. Seth then bore Enosh, and scriptures say that at this time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord again. A different direction. If you read in chapter 5, you will see the lineage of Seth that eventually leads to a man named Noah. Although the Lord was still seeing the wickedness of man on earth, he found favor in Noah. And he had plans to use him in an incredible way. Well, that's another Sunday school story coming up. But I would encourage you to read that for yourself and prepare to hear that in the near future. As I'm sure you can guess, even with these stories happening thousands of years ago, there's still a lesson to learn here. How we respond to sin determines the course of our lives. You know you best. I'm sure that some of us out there, me included, have done a pretty good job of of showing a Christian life. I'm sure that some of us out there have hidden sin pretty well and maybe for far too long. I'm sure that some of us out there are making decisions that are continuing sin in our lives that is being destructive in many ways. I'm sure some of us, even though we wouldn't like to admit it, would say, yes, my response to sin or even lack thereof has had an impact on my life. You see, God had this plan. Sin entering into world, entering into the world was not a surprise to him. I'm sure he was still disappointed, but he wasn't surprised and he had a rescue plan. A savior that would be born to all of us and who would die for us all. But God did not want to make us make that decision. We have the opportunity to choose and believe that on our own. The answer to the plan was a Savior, a Savior that was foretold in the beginning of times in the Bible. God knew that our choices in sin would demand this, and how we respond to sin actually determines the need for a Savior. We are an imperfect people that cannot live a life without recognizing how destructive sin is. And we need to begin to live with a perspective of sin that makes us uncomfortable. We need to live being bothered and disturbed by our sin. We need to stop being numb to it. We need to quit justifying certain actions that we know are wrong. We need to begin to live as if sin is our worst enemy. We need to begin to live in a state of constant appreciation that a Savior died so that, that we could even have a chance against our sin. Change has to happen. And if we look at this passage and live the rest of this day and life and change nothing in our thinking, we are missing the message that God has put before us. It's not an opportunity to look at ourselves as worthless individuals. That's not the point. Rather, 
It's an opportunity to look at ourselves as a people thankful for a Savior. Rejoice that God has has loved us, and He certainly loves us so much that He would give His Son to die for us. What an amazing thing that we serve a Savior. Change. I have to. You have to. We have to. We have to battle sin every day and every moment of our life. How we respond to sin determines the course of our life. How we respond to sin also can show us how great of a God we serve and how much He loves us. Amen. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the, the stories of truth that you put in this book that we can, that we can engage with and, and even be entertained with, but Father, we can learn from. And it's a sad story this morning, Father, of, of Cain and Abel and the death of somebody innocent, but Father, I pray that we use this story to change our lives. Sin is ugly. Sin is evil. Sin is the enemy, and you know that. But, Father, I fear that that we don't feel that. And we don't realize how destructive this could be. God, I pray that you just convict our hearts and our minds this morning. And if there is sin in our lives, we deal with it. Father, we confess it to you and, and to those around us, Father, that we that we battle against it every day. Your, your scripture calls us to put on the armor of God, and I pray that, that we stand up and do that every day because sin is crouching just as God reminded us in this passage. Sin is crouching at the door. And Satan is ready to battle the first step of every morning. We'd be crazy not to put on our protection. So Father, I pray that our lives would change. I pray that we would treat sin as it is, and respond to it rightfully and follow hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen.